it's all about conversions and it's all about attraction, conversions and retention. Essentially, your employees are your internal customers. It's really a matter of understanding what that process looks like from the perspective of a candidate. Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Hey, it's GQ here. Thanks for joining us on the How We Solve podcast. Today, I have with me Joshua, co-founder of Kronos Agency, one of the leading e-commerce email marketing agencies on the market today. They help increase e-commerce brands' email marketing ROI by 20% to 30%. Fun fact, the agency grew from a side hustle to slightly over 60 people within two years. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Welcome, Josh. Really excited to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me, GQ. All right. So, you know, I'm sure our listeners are going to be so interested about how you took your company from a side hustle to over 60 people. So if you could, can you dive a little bit deeper into kind of the tip of the iceberg? What, what, what was the problem that you faced and how are we, uh, what are you going to be solving today? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so I, I think the turning point in the, the scaling process, really, I think I'll, I'll dive a little bit deeper into like the, the history of the company and, and my background as well. Sure, uh, please. The, the problem was in scaling, going from a site hustle or, or, or rather a one-man operation into a business, which I view them as a quite, quite a different, different thing altogether. A business is a, a machine with different specialized moving parts, whereas a site hustle is most likely either one-man operation or just a few people doing pretty much everything all at once. And it was a, it was a struggle in the, at, the, at the start because this was actually... Actually, this, yeah, this is the biggest uh, project that succeeded. So prior to this, I actually tried out lots of other things as, as per any other entrepreneurs out there. But this was the first time where, where I had to build a team around the stuff that I was doing. And I didn't exactly have a lot of experience that came with it. And I actually don't have any working experience prior to starting the business. So I really had to learn everything from scratch through courses, listening to good podcasts, like how we solve. And and I I mean, I wish this was around when when I started the business. But yeah, so (laughs) relying on the communities and stuff like that. And the problem in in essence, if I I was to summarize it in a statement was, would be, how do I move beyond trading my time for money as an entrepreneur and start to leverage on systems and teams as I scale the business? And obviously the deal making and the growth part is completely separate. Mm-hmm. Um, we were very lucky to have been, uh, to be able to be in an industry where it's growing e-commerce. People generally are happy with our service because we did a really good job initially so word of mouth became a strong driver of growth and they really have to worry about that. And so I focused a lot of my time on building the internal engine and I kind of looked into what are the steps that I need to take 
in order to get to sort of like a an ideal agency structure or an ideal business structure that I would be able to then step away from the business and work on the strategy and the long-term growth of the company instead of being stuck to the day-to-day operations and a tactical level uh, stuff. And so with that goal in mind, I, I kind of built the whole team around different aspects of what I've been doing in the past, which was client servicing. We call it fulfillment in Kronos Agency. Now that's the biggest part. The second part was admin and finance. And then there was sales and then marketing. So four elements and obviously plus operations. And I, I have a co-founder called Louis. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's my COO. So I kind of have operations managed by, by Louis already. So I wasn't really worried about that. And uh, as well as fulfillment. So I, I really had to let go of marketing, sales, and admin and finance. So what I did initially was to find talent individuals that I could rely on heavily to be strategic thinkers themselves, to take the helm of each of these departments with obviously with, with myself as a consultant and advisor to build that department from scratch. And so I went out to basically look for people, talent that I could find through any other portals that, any, any portals that you really can imagine through their, their local jo- job portals in, in Malaysia, Singapore, and, and Philippines. We also started, started hiring in North America recently. And yeah, so just opening up all that hiring channels and looking for individuals who could be strategic thinkers, they're leaders, and they're not afraid to take risks because it involves a lot of building things from scratch, breaking things down, testing, trial and error. And that's yeah. what we really needed. So the people that we looked out for were either people who have a proven track record of doing this, or they have started something in the past, a project, a site hustle, and they sold it off, or they basically signs of initiative. And that was a, basically the core approach that I took to build my core team. Uh, okay. And it's actually my head of, heads of department. So, okay. Now, I, I think our listeners will be really curious to find out more about Kronos Agency. I think they obviously got a, a picture from that introductory explanation that you've mentioned. Yeah. Now, if you could provide your company's elevator pitch, what would that be? Sure. Um, so Kronos Agency is a done-for-you email marketing agency. We help e-commerce brands increase their back-end profits, adding in a, like a 20 to 30% revenue of total revenue on average using email marketing with our automations and campaign strategies. And it's all done for you. So it's pretty much hands-free profit that <laughs> brands would then enjoy without having to worry about copywriting, design, strategy, integrations, and all that stuff. Okay. okay. Yeah, I think, I think business owners definitely do, do, do appreciate that. If they can just work with an agency, just delegate that, and then just trust that, you know, that this will work on its own. And Yeah. No, yeah. I, I just want to point out that, yeah, you mentioned trust. That trust is a big thing. Uh, it's, it's, it's a huge part of success with a client, actually. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that, yeah, that's something I realized really early on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, in order to build that trust, it stems from a few things. One, obviously, credibility. 
And credibility yeah. comes from results and proven experience and proven results, obviously. And yeah, so very thankful that we we built a team that would, that that's able to deliver on these promises. And without my team, it's really impossible to grow to where we are today. I completely trust that, and I completely believe that because even for our, for our company at LTV Plus and Task Drive for both brands, we are also in a remote setting, and without having had the as you call it like the right people in the right departments from the beginning. It's just a lot harder to scale. So actually, I'm really curious. So you mentioned that you decided to find people from different parts of the world as you were scaling the business. So which state of your business were you in when you finally decided to go ahead and hire remotely? Like, was it, do you, did you know about this from day one that, okay, cool, I'm going to work with people everywhere and build my business this way? Or did you maybe have thoughts about setting it up in Singapore as well? It was actually a, a, a conscious, intentional decision made on day one. And that's, that's okay. very rare, I think. And I, I've come to realize that most businesses are like, like that as well. Like decisions are often made as problems come. But this mm-hmm. is actually one of those decisions I've made intentionally. And the reason was really practical, honestly, very simple. It's cost, right? Not having an office space, not having to manage an office, is a huge burden off my shoulders, especially at the beginning when we're just starting out. And I started this out as pretty much a side hustle and as a side gig kind of thing. It would be really, really difficult, if not impossible, to to bear the cost of an office space, a full team in Singapore. And Singapore is not cheap, so salary ranges are much higher than, than average. So is office rental because space is super limited. So office rental is going to be huge, huge cost as well. Okay. No, and I, and I completely agree with that. In fact, like uh, for, for ourselves, we, we also have, I think we might have like one, two physical offices in total, but pretty much everyone else is like scattered remote. And like you said, there, it, it, it is such a more lightweight manner, more lean way of running a business versus having to, you know, have a physical space, think about rent, as you said, you know, thinking about maintaining it. Exactly. And I think that's, that really helps solves a lot of uh, the initial and initially just business operations in general. So I'm curious, like, so when you were looking for people and um, since you're based out of Singapore uh, as well, and this could be interesting for, for listeners who are for, from Asia or who are even based in Singapore, what were some of these resources that you, you know, used to help you find the, find your A players for your company? And also how maybe some of the tools that if you can share, how did you manage a team of this scale? Cause you have 60 people. That's definitely not easy. So we can do it in a two part. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So first, first part on um, talent acquisition. That's that's a very interesting topic, and that's something that I have learned a lot about over the past two years. That's one of the, the, the many things that I, I wish that that universities and schools went deeper into. <laughs> and uh, because I honestly, coming out of university, I pretty much know nothing about HR and managing a team and talent acquisition. But that aside, I've sort of developed a thought process around talent acquisition. And it's, it's, very, it's honestly very similar to marketing or online digital marketing because it's all about conversions and it's all about attraction, conversions and retention. Essentially, your employees are your internal customers. So it's really a matter of understanding what that 
process looks like from the perspective of a candidate, regardless of how big or how small your company is. I found that what we do is we kind of understood where our strengths lie as a company. Initially, our strengths were we are a new company. It's an exciting industry. We're growing quickly and you get the freedom to do a lot of things that you won't be able to do in a large corporation because you, you get the freedom of ideas. You get the freedom of implementing ideas of your own. So it really, really suited people who are typically type A players. They, are, they want to implement their own ideas. They have tons of ideas running. They want a sort of like playground to be able to test these things out without having to risk their own resources or risking company resources. So that's the type of people that we have identified as a core part of our, like our strength in attracting versus very experienced people who have like years of corporate experience, which we might not have the, either the resources or the, the right landscape for, for these people to flourish in. So we acknowledge that and we tailored our positioning and marketing. I call it positioning and marketing, but really it's just your job description, your career pages, and how you reach out and how you communicate with uh, candidates to suit that idea. So once we had that down, it's then about sourcing. So opening up the, the channels, right? Uh, in digital marketing, it's traffic. Likewise, in, in hiring, it's about opening up hiring sources. So we tapped into as many as we could on social media. Social media was a huge part, actually. On hindsight, it, it was actually very effective. Facebook groups, going through Facebook networks, just friends and people. But obviously, traditional job portals were very helpful as well. And um, oh, and LinkedIn. LinkedIn was actually surprisingly powerful, even as a small company. You just need a little bit more personal touch to, to it as compared to a mass approach on LinkedIn. But yeah, so that was the most of the, the, the sources that we relied on initially. And uh, we still do till today. And right after that, it's about understanding your hiring process. And the hiring process can be done on paper, either on paper or with a software, like an ATS, an applicant tracking system. We use a system called Workable. We love it. It's super useful. It automates a lot of the processes that we used to do manually. And it also redistributes our job posts to all the free job boards that are available in the region. So we love that. But you can definitely do it on paper. And that's how we got started. And obviously not, not on paper, but probably like on, on an Excel sheet or a project management tool. And uh, basically understanding how, you, how to filter out candidates that are not a good fit while filtering good candidates to the next stage. We use a few tools, assessments, recently video interviews as well, automated video interviews, as well as, let me see, oh, manager level interviews. So even before it comes to you as a business owner, it probably should go through at least one or two rounds of interviews with either a, a team member or a manager or both. And once it gets to you, it's, it's usually a, a final round of like a cultural fit check, understanding if they have the same set of um, principles and core values as what you believe in. And yeah, that's basically our, our, our core process in hiring. And yeah, basically that's it. And then afterwards that's retention and stuff. 
Okay. Okay. And and how do you? So so that that, that was. In fact, it was really interesting that you brought up LinkedIn as well because I think it's something that we we we've done. Um, I'm actually curious, like if I want to jump back on the LinkedIn part of it, you mentioned being more personal with your approach. So how did you find candidates on LinkedIn for a company? So I'll, I'll take a small step back here and understand the, the, the bigger picture of how you prioritize your time as a business owner. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if I were to go back in time and let's say one and a half years ago, my time would have been best spent looking for super high quality talent. Let's say if I had eight hours in a day, I would allocate at least the 20, 30% of it to talent acquisition. It's, it, it's definitely a manual process. It's definitely a, a very tedious process, but it's super high impact because you're looking for, as a business owner, as a CEO or a founder, you have a much higher leverage than anyone else in the company. So your LinkedIn profile is super powerful. <laughs> That's what I found. So personally reaching out to people who you think might be a good fit, people who have been in your competitors' companies in the past, or people who are currently employed in your competitors' companies, even in, in different industries, but with a similar skill set, that's the kind of people that you should be scheduling interviews for or just conversations for. And I found that using InMail is a great tool for people that are beyond your network. And it, I believe it's like, um, there is a 30 day trial for recruiter light. I, th- I think so. Yeah, there should be. Yeah. There is a 30 day trial for recruiter light. And beyond that per month, it's about a hundred plus us dollars. It's, it's a little bit expensive, but it's definitely well worth it. A good investment to, to, to make. No, I, I think that's, that's actually very true. I, I like the fact that you brought up about possibly we're looking at, candidates who, are, who used to work for or are currently working for competitors because i think they would they would have a they would have like an idea of kind of how other uh workflows are like that that, that you know and they, and they would have a good understanding of how your business works as well did, did exactly. you manage to did, did, did you manage to find anyone that is now currently a part of your team uh, i mean you don't have to obviously give names but yeah out of this linkedin process how, how many people did you manage to get or what, did you get a lot of good results out of it yeah, I, I've actually hired a sales operations manager from LinkedIn. Our marketing project manager is from LinkedIn. And there's quite a few others. And it's it's really, a, there's no guarantee. Just like just like in, 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 on, uh, in sales and prospecting online, there, there is no guarantee. But putting in the hours is what I found was really high impact. Because ultimately, it's like you mentioned, bringing people with existing knowledge and experience in building up processes and systems that your business actually needs because they come from competitive companies or people with much more experience than you probably have. And uh, my objective is to find people who are really way better than like 10 times better than, than me at certain aspects of operating a business, whether it be in marketing or in sales or any aspect to take over that part of the business for me and teach me new skills that I may not have. And that's, at least I, I believe that's the biggest leverage that uh, you can have as a business owner. And that really takes away all the ego in, in building a business. And that, that's what I love about it. 
Right, right. So if someone were to, you know, start today, they say, okay, I think you kind of already listed down actually a, a wealth of information on how people can go about, you know, building out their first remote team. So say, for example, today, I'm a, you know, someone just starting up, I have a business idea, and I think that I want to go remote. How would you break down the steps for someone to hire their, uh, let's just say their first remote staff? You know, how, how would you break it down in simple steps and, and, and how would that look like? Remote stuff. So bear in mind that when, when, I, when I talk about a, a team, a remote team of 61 people, we, we're talking about people who are full-time team members yep. and we don't treat them any dif- differently from a full-time team member who's in the office. In fact, we have an office in, in KL uh, and people come in to, to work, but it really is no different. They have the same set of needs, the same set of troubles and problems that any other employee faces. So with, with that being said, it, the process wouldn't be too different. The only thing that would change is in the acquisition portion. Because you're hiring remotely, you're able to open up that, that pool of talent that you may not have access to previously. And that's a super advantage over competitors if, if your competitor is not really doing this. And depending on time zone, time zone issues, you may want to scope it down to certain time zones only. But once you have that understanding of which time zones or which regions you want to look into, what I would do is I would, I would look for the key job portals in each region and either get a free account with them or invest in a, a paid subscription or, um, yeah, true that. And that, that really is just step one. It's, it's as simple as that. The job description, job post wouldn't be too different. It's, it's basically advertising it as a remote role. And I think there's plenty of examples out there. If you look in, on Glassdoor or, uh, or, or even LinkedIn, there are plenty of remote job uh, roles being posted up there. So lots of examples that we can look into. But something that might be interesting, so I'm... Jumping gun here, going into something on, on tangent, but the process of building a remote team while managing them as if they were in an office and having the same level of control as a business owner and same level of visibility, I think that's something that's interesting. Because typically when people think about a remote team, they think about people just being at home, playing video games all day and coming online for meetings and that's it. Yeah. But that's, not, that's far, from, far from the truth because as much as they are working remotely, they still have a set of KPIs. They still have a set of objectives to fulfill. And managing people based on these KPIs and objectives are often much more freeing from the perspective of the manager as well as the perspective of the team member, the direct report. Because you don't have to really monitor everybody on a like hour to hour basis, um, unless your business requires you to do so. I believe that having those set of KPIs is definitely step one. Step two, you probably need a system or tool software to help you keep track of all these KPIs and deliverables. We have weekly deliverables and weekly output, so we use a tool called ClickUp. It's similar to it's sort of like a mashup between. Trello and, and an Asana. And we love it because it's full of features that help us. Basically, it's, it's super scalable. 
because there are features that we don't need now, but we definitely need it down the road in a couple of months' time. So we were able to plan things out from there. Sidetrack. So uh, just a project management tool to help we keep track of everything. Our whole team is on ClickUp, which allows us to have visibility over what everybody is doing. It gets a bit complicated at times because there are so many different boards, but it helps the relevant people keep track of the relevant things at the right time. And that's basically the most powerful thing. And obviously communication. For us, we use Slack. Slack is basically the, the go-to communication tool for a lot of companies out there, but uh, we use it since day one and been loving it since. And um, yeah, aside from that, doesn't really change too much. Imagine a remote team-wise. Oh, something I would add would be having physical meetups. That's super important. A company that I really look up to for a remote setup is Automatic, the parent company of WordPress. They have a massive team. I think in 2018 or 2019, they had 700 plus employees. And it's all fully remote. And even tech companies like Shopify, 70% of staff with a workforce are remote as well, I believe. And um, they all have physical meetups, I believe, on a quarterly basis all around the world. And we do that as a full company twice a year. We call it a biannual workation. So we have fun activities, outdoor stuff, but at the same time, we host workshops and strategy strategy meetings during that time as well. So it's a good time for people to get together, see face, like connect face to face, which I found is also super impactful and, uh, and very, very powerful. Yeah. So that's kind of the way that we very briefly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but that, that is so true. I, I completely stand by the, uh, let's just say the physical meetups because like that really changes a lot of things. Once, you know, colleagues are able to see each other face to face, they get to bond in ways that you would never do so online. I think that because there's so many different kinds of dynamics that you can just pick up from someone when you actually see someone face to face. So highly recommended as a, as a talent, well, I wouldn't call it retention, but I highly recommend it to build culture and, and, and deeper bonds in the company for sure. Yes, definitely agree. Yeah. And, and something that we do as well, um, for something that we're going to do next year is quarterly core team offsite meetings. Mm-hmm. So just like quarterly reviews of our internally, we use OKRs, objectives and key results as a goal setting framework. So we're going to review our OKRs on a quarterly basis, just connect with our team, our core team members, just reviewing what we've done in the past quarter, looking into, uh, looking forward. And I realize that it's something that you can't replace with a Zoom meeting or a video call. And honestly, it's fun. And it's it's part of that. It, it helps people, especially in a remote team setting. A lot of people are just working alone or in co-working spaces or, or coffee shops. And it's not always the most conducive to build a culture around. But yeah, so... These are the opportunities that we that we definitely treasure to build that. Okay. So to just kind of sum it off, uh, or sum it up, rather, to kind of sum it up, what are some of the books that you're reading that you would recommend to people, or, or maybe resources even, for people to learn more about, you know, hiring remotely or managing remote teams? Is there like a go-to resource or book that you have? To be, to be honest, uh, no, I wish I had. Um, I I honestly wish I had, if if anyone has a recommendation out there, I 
be more than happy to. Oh, actually, Rework is a good, good, uh, good book to refer to. Okay. Rework, yeah, it's R-E-Work. I believe the founders of Basecamp. Basecamp is also another amazing mm-hmm. company. Yeah. That is um, the parent company, amazing company that is also fully remote. So yep. amazing story. Uh, that will definitely give give people some insight into how it's uh, how it's done and what kind of best practices are out there. Um, aside from that, I think I rely pretty heavily on just communities of companies and business owners that are also building remote teams and just sharing ideas. And that's been honestly much more impactful than me going through books or courses myself and going through like trial and error stuff. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you. And finally, do you have a personal mission statement? Ooh, that's pretty interesting. I, I, I don't actually have one, but I know like upon reflection, I know for a fact that I gained the most enjoyment, not, not making, making a lot of money. That, that's nice, but I gained the most enjoyment and satisfaction when I know that I've made a person's life just a little bit happier than it was before I built that relationship, before I spoke to them. And yeah, it's basically as simple as that. Just building the overall collective happiness of humanity, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that. No, that, I, I think that's good because I think we, we, we as humans are inherent, like, you know, we are, I don't know, it's in, in our nature to want to help people. And I think that definitely always comes from like aspects of the business that you build. It could be your main mission. It could be a personal mission. But that's really mm-hmm. cool, man. It's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, it's, um, it, it's not something that is permanent. I, I, I believe it's not going to be permanent, but it's just something that is uh, the truth to me right now at this current state. And yeah, looking forward to how that might evolve over time. I, I know mission statements are often just ideals, but it's nice to have like a like a guiding guiding uh, principle. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for our episode. So thanks a lot for your time, Josh. I think the stuff that you shared here today, the information that you shared, it's going to add so much value for our viewers and listeners. Yeah, I definitely hope so. Thank you so much. All right. So thank you for tuning in and subscribing to the How We Solve podcast. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.